Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. What are you struggling with in life? Is it anger, sadness, or fear? What about the seasonality of wildland fire? What about your relationships? Or your work-life balance? Or alcohol? What about that nicotine? What are you really struggling with? And I'm curious, what have you been doing about it? Have you tried therapy or meditation or journaling? Has anything worked? Did it really help you with those thoughts, those feelings? that you don't even admit that's there? Is what you're doing for your mental health working? And are you free from anger, sadness, fear, anxiety, or depression? Or there's these thoughts and feelings that keep coming back to batter you and smash you, take you deeper into that negative hole. I'm wondering, what are you breathing? What water are you drinking? What foods are you eating? Are you even sleeping well? When's the last time you truly took time for yourself? Have you ever heard of the unconscious mind before? You know, there's this idea of there being a goal setter and a goal getter. And that goal setter is our conscious mind where we know what we want, we know what we want to focus on, but it's so hard to really take action and actually do it. Like that time where you know you want to quit right when you're walking to the fridge and grabbing that next beer or that cupcake. And really, what about how emotions are stored in our body and not our mind. How these emotions are really stuck in the nervous system, they're stuck electricity. And when we let go of these emotions, it it frees us to be who we want to be. It gives us a stronger immune system. It helps us boost our mind, body, spirit at all levels, right? And what's most important about this is that our internal state is really projected into the external world. And that's what we see, that's what we feel. That's how we experience the world, is through what we believe, what we value, what we think and feel. All those things shape what happens to us in life, doesn't it? I'm curious, is it possible you've created all these problems inside your own mind, inside your own body? The power behind this is that that gives you the chance to unravel, to undo to let go of all these negative emotions, these limiting beliefs that could be gone, right? If you created them, well, you can destroy them, right? What will happen when you let go of these raw emotions and these wounds and you heal yourself? What outcome will you get in life? Will your career get better? Will your relationships be healthier? Will your physical body be in better shape? Here at Mountain Mind Tricks, we use the breakthrough session. It's this eight-hour process for wildland firefighters. It's two days, four hours each. And the first portion is story. You tell me your story. And I'm listening in a therapeutic way, but I'm also looking about how. How did you create the anger? How did you create the anxiety? How did you create the trauma? Because once we find out how, we find out exactly how it happens, it's easy just to unwind it, let it unravel just let you undo it yourself. After we do the release work and all the change work, we work on a compelling future where you have a goal, you have a blueprint to walk forward on a path where you're focused and you take action on exactly what you want in life. That's the power of the breakthrough session. You get exactly what you want out of it. 
If you want to release negative emotions, I got you. You want to release limiting beliefs, I got you. You want to find peak performance on the fire line, I got you. What about quitting smoking? Or a better relationship, I got you. So I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com, click on the discovery session button, and fill out the form. That's mountainmindtricks.com. When you listen to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, you're supporting wildland firefighters and their mental health journey. So thank you, and I appreciate you. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so I can become the best podcaster I can be. You can become a Patreon, which means donating $10 a month will get you two free rollers of essential oils or $50 a month, and that's one free coaching session per month. So I want you to subscribe and leave a review so I can become the best podcaster possible. Thank you, and I appreciate you. Hi, welcome to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, and I'm so excited for my guest, uh, Anne Martin. She's a wildland firefighter and mental health advocate. And uh, Anne, can you introduce yourself and kind of let us know how you got into wildland fire and what your journey has been like and what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, everybody. My name's Anne. Um, thank you, Tom, for having me on. Um, I started in wildland fire in Colorado. I actually had a friend that... Um, did some equipment-based stuff for like ICPs. And I had no idea at first, like what wildland fire was like, oh, you can actually have a job in this kind of an area. Um, so I went on a couple ride-alongs with him and went to a couple different fires just to see kind of like how it worked and what kind of the details were on like, yeah, there's a camp that goes up and the crews go out and there's helicopters and all that kind of cool stuff. So I got really involved in just kind of the education part of it. Um, I ended up going to college in Colorado um, with a degree in sociology, um, but did fire during the summer. So um, I was on a state crew. I was doing fuels and uh, type 2 IA stuff. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, I got a big girl job and went to be a police officer for a while. And um, a lot of stuff happened personally and professionally where I just decided that that's not a place that I wanted to stay long term. So I moved back into fire and ended up in Yellowstone on a contract crew. Um, I did that for a couple of years, and then I ended up getting a traumatic brain injury in the course of one of my fire seasons um, and kind of had to reevaluate my life for a while. So I wanted to do some a whole bunch of different kind of therapies after that injury um, and then tried to work my way back into fire. So I did um, a hand crew for a couple of years and then ended up in my current position, which is um, equipment management. So, Oh, that's so amazing that you had this really hardcore injury and troubling time and and you worked your way back into fire like like thank you i really want to hear your story if you're open to talking about a little bit more on like what happened and and what that journey was like to to move through that that healing process oh yeah it was uh not glorious in any means but it absolutely like changed my life for the better looking back on it and it's definitely one of those things that I wasn't thankful for then, but I'm incredibly grateful for at this point. So, um, yeah, we were uh, working on a fire truck. I uh, was on an engine at the time, and we were doing some upgrades in the vehicle. And um, I don't really remember the whole day, so I have just bits and pieces of what other people have told me. But apparently I had was carrying some tools in my arms and stepped on an air hose that was getting used inside the truck. And the doors were open, so when I stepped on that air hose and somebody pulled on it, I went head first into the um, open truck door and ended up hitting my head on the truck door, splitting my scalp, and then hit the concrete on the way down. Um, 
I don't really remember much. Like I said, it was pretty bad because there was blood all over the place and head injuries bleed quite frequently. Um, and then I ended up going to a little podunk hospital um, out in the middle of nowhere kind of a thing. It was kind of a ways away. And they basically stapled me up and said I was good to go. Go home. You're good to go back to work. So that's what I did. Um, a couple of days later, I was still not feeling so hot. I was still throwing up. I didn't have much memory. was still very... Um, just agitated most of the time. So I went back to a different hospital. They gave me some anti-nausea medication and said, you're good, go home. So I did. <laughs> um, after that, um, I ended up just having a lot of emotional issues. I had a lot of cognitive issues. I was very short tempered. I had trouble connecting like major points just in like my day-to-day -day life. Um, it was kind of like being a toddler almost where it's like you get some things, but not some things. Your mind would travel off and um, I just, I, I had a lot of a temper too. It's just emotionally very difficult for me. Um, we did a fire about a week later and I got exposed to some toxic gases that were on that fire because it was burning near some um, coal reservoirs and coal seams. So that wasn't very good either. Um, I progressed through most of the rest of that fire season just with a lot of issues, not understanding really where they were coming from because the doctors had told me I was totally fine and ready to go back to work. So um, by the time we got to not the end of the season, but pretty close. My uh, boss and I had a conversation. He just said, I can't have you on the crew in your current condition. And it kind of made me take a look at myself and really understand that, no, something was pretty wrong and I need to do something about it. So I had a conversation when I went back with my family. They said, there's something weird about you and we don't like it. So that started my whole kind of two-year journey of seeing a neurologist, a psychologist, a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, you know, the list goes on because once I finally got treatment, they had realized how bad the injury was and why nothing was done about it. And insurance was a whole nother deal. It was just a, a process that definitely dragged on. Um, and a lot of it was difficult for me internally because I didn't feel like myself. I didn't act like myself. I couldn't understand what was going wrong with myself or why other people were acting the way they were mainly it was because of my attitude, but um, it was just kind of coming to that realization was super difficult. And then doing something about it was a whole nother step. And that process took forever. And I think being a firefighter kind of helped put me in the good mindset of um, like, this is just an obstacle that we can get through. So you need to persevere and just get up every morning and go to therapy and go to work and just keep running with it. So I put in my time, that's for sure. Um, and I've done a lot of different kinds of therapies. I got challenged to be put in a bunch of different therapies. And for the longest time, I was that big, hardcore, you know, all this stuff is woo-woo and I can overcome any little challenge that's given to me. I was, you know, kind of had a pretty big ego, like some firefighters do. But um, after getting challenged after that injury, it definitely brought me um, an openness to trying things that are hard because... If you want to get better, stuff's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, and you have to take up that challenge, but you still have to be open about it. You can't let your ego kind of fight your way into what you've been thinking about um, and just be open to new avenues of making yourself better. Wow, that is that is quite a story. And and so it sounds like the like OWCP obviously didn't work out for you. It came down to insurance, and, and I just want to make sure like we hit on that because that – that is an important piece, right? I mean, there was all these medical bills that really should have been covered by the employer at that point, right? 
uh, yeah, I was still under work comp at the time. And the biggest issue I had was those first doctors that sent me home that said I was fine. Those are the records that they had gone off of. So they determined all of my symptoms and stuff after the fact were not related to the injury because of those initial documents. Right, right. And that that's, you know, your story on that is so uh, widespread. And I just really want to make sure we hit on like the OWC piece of this, that it's, it's really horrible what's happening to the wildland firefighters. You know, there's, there's the people out there that need skin grafts and OWCP is like, well, we don't recommend that. So we're not going to pay for it. But the doctors are saying we need this right now. Right. So it's like, there's all those, there's so much stuff out there. And I, I just, I encourage everybody to get interested and involved with the grassroots because this is something they're working on is to like really bring this to the light. And, and I just want to say thank you. And I really appreciate you for sharing this story because it's, it's powerful. And, and I really want to ask you on some of the therapies and like what really worked for you to help you get through this time in your life. Oh yeah. Um, well, first off, just not being, um, so full of myself, essentially knock that ego down a couple of steps. I had one of my therapists originally say, you know, I think you don't have a lot of confidence right now. You may have had it in the past, but it's, it's not here. And I got super offended. I was like, how could you say that to me? You know, I'm, I'm like a great firefighter. I have all this life experience. I'm great. And then I learned to trust him a little bit more and kind of open up a little bit and have more open conversations, you know, just get really vulnerable for a minute and just say, you know, here's kind of what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm doing. And then he had that conversation back with me that said, yeah, here's kind of what I'm seeing and how you can improve on that. So we had a really good heart to heart and that kind of was a good snowball for me into a bunch of other therapies. So um, I met with a neurologist for a long time who did a lot of different medications and I'm not a big medication person. So I was kind of open to a lot more of those different types of therapy and different types of uh, self-development at that point. So um, he recommended just regular old like counseling or, or talk therapy, however you want to kind of generalize that. And I was said, oh, I have a big ego, you know, I don't need therapy. That's for people that are messed up. Well, obviously I was messed up, so I needed to go. Um, so I actually did this. One of the first smart things I actually kind of like perused for a counselor. I tried a couple of different ones and talked with them just in like a quick initial 20 minute visit to say, Hey, are we going to be a benefit to each other? And I'd say, if anybody is nervous about it, or if anybody is interested in it, please like shop around because it needs to be beneficial for both you and the therapist. So it shouldn't just be super one-sided where you're just trying to get this one issue solved and then book it out of there. I would recommend finding somebody that is good for you, that um, understands what you're doing and what your interests and goals are, and that you can both achieve those together, essentially. So uh, I ended up finding somebody when I was still back in rehab in Colorado, and she ended up moving conveniently right about the time I ended up moving to Montana, where I'm at now, um, to do different fire things. But um, I ended up doing another shopping spree up here, essentially. And I went through, I think, eight or nine up here until I found somebody that I actually really enjoyed. Um, and she worked with me for almost a year, I think. Um, just kind of working on my goals and developing it. And the big thing is just be super vulnerable with yourself. Do the homework when you get home, really key into what your goals are and how to get there. Don't just say, I want to be able to control my anger better or stop drinking as much or do, you know, fill in the blank. But to really say, 
you know, the things that I have been doing to reach this goal haven't quite got me there. What else could I possibly be doing to get myself there? Um, so just opening yourself up to that. My counselor that I had had challenged me to do a heart-centered breath work. And I had no idea what that was at the time. And the first thought that popped into my head when she recommended it was, oh, that's woo-woo. I No, that's ridiculous. You're going to get me healed by breathing. Are you kidding? Uh, and there was a little voice inside my head that said, you have to do it. And I don't usually trust in a lot of the super spiritual things like, oh, this was like the voice of God kind of a thing. But that little bit of, I call it the higher, wiser self, you know, it's that person that's already achieved those goals in your mind, that, you know, ideal that is always with you that wants you to make these good choices. That thing was in my head and just said, you have to do it. So I ended up going to that practice um, and it's a little bit, um, it's like a precursor to like the hypnotherapy that I've really enjoyed as well. Um, but the heart-centered breath work is basically, you can find it as um, like a bunch of different videos and stuff online of all these people that say they've benefited from breath work or TM or all sorts of these different really in-depth, really deep meditations. The breath work that I did was in a group. Um, it was facilitated by two people. It's got music. It's got a particular breathing pattern that you're going to go through. Um, it's in like a warm, safe, sheltered environment. Um, and there's a lot that can happen during this kind of um, breathing. And it's basically a deep meditation to try and get your brain waves into a higher theta or even gamma state if you can get them there. Um, but basically, you set an intention. Um you kind of open yourself up to different ways of getting there, not having a solid set plan because then you're going to try to control it too much. And then you go into the breathing pattern and then kind of let your subconscious take over. The idea of the breathing is to dumb down your consciousness a little bit so you're not analyzing every single thing that comes into your mind. It's like that state just before you go to sleep where you're starting to think about a lot of really good things or bad things. You know, you can kind of set yourself up, but... Once you get into the breathing, then you can kind of let your subconscious take over. And that's where a lot of healing can occur. There's a lot of different things you can experience in a breath work. Um, depends on the person, depends on the intention. Um, I have had some really good luck with um, just experiencing emotions like I've never experienced before because I was really good, like I said, having that big ego of just dumbing everything down and putting all my hard stuff in a box for later and just ignoring it. And that was a safe space where I could kind of bring it up and engage with it. a lot of the previous trauma I've had, whether it be from childhood or trauma off of fire calls or EMS call, any of the difficult traumas that I've had, whether it be uh, big incidents or little incidents, whatever. And it just gave me a space to acknowledge those without like external judgment. I didn't even have like a counselor or therapist there like saying, oh, you know, let's go back to your childhood memory at eight and try and delve into that. It was just something where I could open myself up and process it on my own time and my own feelings and my own way. So that was incredibly beneficial for me. So the guy that uh, facilitated it actually recommended the hypnotherapy that I've been enjoying so much. And I, again, that first thought in my head was, well, that's woo-woo. Are you kidding me? Like a hypnotist? Really? That's not going to help anybody that's just silly but I heard the same voice in my head I said just do it you know everything you have done in the past trying to make it to your goals hasn't got you quite there yet why don't you just try something new you can always try it once and say it sucked and then go home no big deal 
that's the other thing. Like if anybody is, is stuck on a goal or something, try something once, just, just do it once. Um, it may work. It may not. You may fall in love with it. Like I found with a lot of these different, um, therapies that I have tried, but, uh, going into the hypnotherapy, I thought it was a bunch of silliness. Uh, and I opened myself up again. I, I, it was with someone I trusted, someone that I kind of vetted on a, on a soul level. We had the same interests, the same goals. We had talked it out beforehand on how I wanted to get to my own goals and how to get there. Um, and the hypnotherapy for me was much more like an in-body experience. Um, I was able to really get down to feeling what I needed to feel and move through the things that I believe were like stuck. A lot of trauma gets stuck in the body as energy and it's uh, intuitive to try to get the energy out somewhere so it doesn't continue to inflict on your attitude or your um, like self-sabotaging behaviors and all that kind of stuff. So that was something that was super beneficial for me. Wow, that is so amazing that uh, this healing journey really took you deep into these mindfulness practices and and like the heart-centered breathing you're talking about. That's something I do with my clients all the time is the heart math or heart math is really the one I, I gravitate towards. And and you know, as a master practitioner of hypnosis, it's it's so powerful. The mind can really tap into the body and and like you said, move that energy or move the the you know the way i like to think about is that there's our nervous system is electrical right which means when we have these baggages we have these traumas that are stuck we have these blocks of energy that the electricity isn't flowing right and it leads to dysfunction not only in our mind but in our body and and when we go into the hypnosis or meditation or whatever we can really use our mind to to move that stuff use our breath to move it and and just the way you're talking about this, I can tell you've had a really big transformation through these processes, which is so powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I really enjoy the fact that it's kind of like you can separate your conscious and your subconscious because I'm a very analytical person. I'd love to be able to figure out how to solve the problem and how to do this and how this works. So I need all the step-by-step process and I'll drop things out and make plans and I'm sure a lot of people are still like that, but it allows me to kind of separate that over analytical brain that wants to control everything and fix everything and just be a part of everything and really get down to a deeper level. Like, how do I feel about my goals? How do I accomplish these things without having, you know, a second by second plan that kind of opens me up to all these extra, um, just like ways of getting things done. You don't have to have this perfect little schedule or be able to fix every little problem. So it just makes things more accomplishable, I believe, because you're just more open to different types of solutions because I was very stuck in that one way of thinking. Um, I like to think of it as like an elephant and a rider. If you've ever heard of that um, story, basically you are the rider. Your conscious is the rider, it has an analytical brain, it's thinking through each step that you're going on this path. The elephant is everything that you've done. It's your remembered past. It's everything that your your habits, everything that you're used to, um, things that you're subconsciously doing. So, you know, when you get lost when you're driving home kind of a thing, all of your um, habits and things that you continuously do that you don't really have to think about. Um, how you get to where you're going is the rider kind of starts to control the elephant and 
it wants to go left all the time, let's say, and it's just so used to going left. It's on that same path. It just goes that way. And you have to kind of coax it over here to your new goals that are over here on the right side. And you give it a little peanut here. Hey, I meditated for five minutes. And then it said, well, that was kind of uncomfortable. I'm going to go back to the left side because that's easy. That's comfortable. Even though the meditation is getting you towards your goal and it's beneficial for your mind and body, and it's something that you're still interested in doing, that elephant or all of the like file cabinet emotions and feelings that you felt before doesn't really recognize that as something that is comfortable or something that really enjoys doing yet. So you have to keep coaxing whatever your goal is, trying to get that elephant to come back to something that's still going to be extremely beneficial for you, but it's going to be uncomfortable. You know, you can't steer a whole elephant using just your left knee kind of a thing. You have to be able to really be full into that ideal and into that goal where you want to get there and keep feeding it the correct behaviors and emotions, essentially. Oh, wow. I love the way you explained that. And it's so true, you know, because our our conscious mind, like you said, it's so analytical and it wants to get its fingers into everything, but it's really it's the goal setter where the the elephant or the subconscious mind is really the goal getter. Like we have to work with the subconscious to, to really steer the elephant. And it's like, to me, it's all about how you can actually change the elephant, not just like, not just um, think, you know, this is my goal over here. And like you said, the elephant is going to go left every single time because it's a loop. It's a pattern. It's the subconscious mind likes routine. It takes things literally. So when we, you know, have ruts, it just goes left every single time, unless we work on the subconscious mind, just like hypnosis. That's, that's exactly what it's doing. Basically, you're getting off the elephant and speaking to it directly, like, hey, we're gonna go right this time. Is that okay with you? And the elephant says, okay, I'll try it, you know, and, and uh, the hypnotherapy is so powerful. And, and the way you're talking about having goals moving forward, that's so true. Because like, for me, in my practice, that's the most important part is, is, um, you know, we work with the subconscious mind, but then it's really like, what goals do you have and how are you going to get there? Because your goals are, is like, you have a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, where you're going. Right. And it's, it's so, so important. And, uh, I just love the way you're explaining all this. Like you've gone through so much and, and healed so much. It's what a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing. Like, this is great. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I hope that kind of my perspective, maybe some people are in a weird place or some people are, um, you know, challenging their thoughts. They're trying to get better, but they just don't know how. Maybe sharing some stories or, or sharing some experience, people either get inspired or reach out to somebody. You know, there's a lot of people in our fire community that are open and willing to help. Um, and you just need to make that first move if you want to achieve a goal, if you are having some problems, just kind of open up a little bit, just one little word, like, hey, I'm feeling really crappy right now and could use like a high five kind of thing. You can get somebody on the phone or get a quick message or even a funny meme can help you out. So it's just kind of being a little bit more vulnerable with our stories and being open so that we can kind of inspire and help each other because this is definitely like a, a small tight knit community. As big as it is, it's still pretty small and it's, we have very particular challenges that not everybody is aware of. I'd say even in like the structure fire department, uh, they're not quite aware of like being let go at the end of the season and losing your sense of purpose and losing your sense of identity. And well, what do I do now with all this time? And I'm still kind of coming down from this massive, consistent cortisol dump that I've had all season long. And now I have to reintegrate 
very quietly and normally with my family and with the rest of society. I can't freak out at the grocery store at my kids or whatnot. So having just an openness and, and being available to others, I think is really important, but I'm really interested in getting more peer support for us just so that we can open the conversation and really talk with each other because we all kind of get similar ideals. You know, we've all been at least at some point in our lives, you know, on that short end of the stick where you get laid off in the, in the winter and it's very difficult. So we've, we're all on the same side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I really want to go back to this word of like woo woo. Right. And I think that's a good segue into like, like um, there's so many things like hypnotherapy, meditation, breath work, like supplements, all those things of, I think the wild and fire community in general is kind of closed off. Like, I think the openness meter is going up like every, every day and it's getting better, but there's so many, so many firefighters that I've met personally, so many people out there that are just closed off. Like, Oh, like therapy. No, that's, that's for wussies or, you know, whatever the answer is, but it's like, like the openness, like for me, my openness on a scale of one to 10, like I'm an 11, like I'm open to everything. Um, and I think most wildland firefighters are probably more like a one or a two, you know, and that's, like, I really hope every time I have a podcast like this, every time we have a conversation, every time we tell a story in the truck, every time we help somebody on the field, it's like that openness maybe goes to a three It maybe it's a four and maybe the, the firefighters that are coming in now that are just going to rookie in 2021, maybe they're coming in with the openness of like five, right? Because truly it's, it's about opening our minds because our mind can can really control how we experience everything and how we honor and process our our traumas, honor and process our emotions and how we really move forward, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I, I completely agree because I think it's a huge part of the culture. Um, it was a huge part of my, I did a lot of um, emergency services and a lot of really difficult um, jobs at a very young age. You know, i saw death at a very young age. It was all that kind of thing. So that kind of, I don't know if it hardens you, but it's just kind of that aspect of if you're going to do this wildland firefighting job, which is so incredibly rewarding and amazing, you have to be a hard ass for a while. You have to be really tough. And people, I think, I don't want to say they take it too far because there's definitely a time and a place to be focused and strong and hard, but there's definitely a time to address some of those other things so that you can personally be a better person. You can fight fire as a strong individual that's resilient and cooperative and inspiring if you make yourself better. And I think that openness goes into just making yourself better in any sort of different ways, because it's very concrete right now. Um, a lot of firefighters just have that attitude where they're not going to falter from it. It's They want to be strong and be hard and then just stay that way because they think that's part of their identity. And I think that's where a little, little bit of our problem comes from is that our job becomes our identity. And I challenged this when I was young. If you would have asked me who I was, I'd say firefighter every time. Like, that's my pride. That's what I do. I'm great at it. I love it. It's who I am. I totally embody every part of that. And the problem is the culture of a firefighter is being super hard and super blocked off to a lot of things. Now, I don't know if the injury completely changed my mind and that not everybody needs to go through that kind of a thing to develop themselves for sure. They just need to be able to kind of man up a little bit. I would challenge those people that are 
super strong all the time. And I absolutely admire it because there's a huge strength in, in just staying strong through things and staying focused and intentional, but opening yourself up to achieving your goals in a different way. That's something other than stuff that can lead to self-sabotage or stuff that gets you stuck in that same rut that you've been in all the time. Electromagnetic frequencies, or EMFs, are affecting your body right now. The World Health Organization reports that EMFs can cause headaches, anxiety, depression, nausea, fatigue, loss of libido, and sleep disturbances. What if you could protect yourself from the EMF fogs and the 5G rollouts? I've been trying products from Essential Vibes and I noticed a huge difference. The live blood tests show that your blood flow increases with less globules. You sleep better, have more balance, and the muscle testing proves this. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection to learn more. I was so impressed with these products, I had to add this to my natural wellness program. So check out Essential Vibes and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. That's mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. Right, and it's so interesting. I'm just, I'm just visualizing as you're speaking about this of like, you know, when people's mind is so rigid and strong and just like, this is exactly the way reality is. It's like their entire energy system, their entire body gets locked up and gets tight. And it's like everything about their life is rigid and stoic and there's no emotion. There's no openness. Everything is closed off. And that to me, that's really, that's kind of a spiritual way to see it. But it's, you know, if we want to get into physiology of it, it's like, you're literally, closing down your nervous system to potential like to potential possibilities what's what's so i guess interesting about this is is like challenging your identity like you said and personally like last summer like i've been working toward my business and the podcast and everything and and last summer was my last season in fire after 14 years and and i was really struggling with like okay if i quit like who am i going to be who is thomas worm going to be that's not a firefighter like I struggled to the point where I would like cry at night. I was like crying on a fire assignment in my tent. Like, like nobody, nobody would ever talk about that. Right. But I was like, I truly was, I was like crying in, in it. And I had this moment of like, this person has to like die. I have to let go of this. And it was like a very shamanic death, this very kind of interesting experience of like letting that identity go. And, and I, do you want to tell this story about, you know, I was doing a podcast with somebody really recently, a, a Native American. And when he came on, he introduced himself. And it took him about three minutes to introduce himself because he introduced himself as, um, you know, his name and then his mother and father and his mother and father and his grandma and his grandparents. And like he ex introduced himself throughout his entire lineage of you know, five to seven generations and what land he came from and, and what traditions and re, like kind of spiritual practices they had. So he really, the introduction of himself was so different that it made me like, oh my God, we're so tied to work and identity. And that being such a huge piece of who we are as a firefighter, like I'm a firefighter, that's it. It's like, no, we're so much more than that, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. And Part of that is too that that emotional stuff that being kind of vulnerable and, and keying into that part of you that's not the firefighter because it's in there i guarantee you are not only a firefighter when you go home there is some family member or some friend or somebody that you want to inspire somebody that you want to love somebody that you want to love you 
that's all the good stuff. That's where all the feeling comes out of. Because like I said, when you're on the fire, you're kind of focused on what you're doing. You're still having plenty of fun. You're loving the sunsets and the burn shows and all the good times. But you still have a lot of other person in there. There's a lot to be worked on. There's a lot to love. Everybody brings something to this universe that's so uniquely personal because of the experiences that you've had and the way you've reacted to them. The only things that you can change is how you react to stuff. And I think staying in that firefighter mindset is very strong, but it shouldn't be the only thing you're focused on. Like I really enjoy talking to the people that have these super hardcore like firefighter set goals. Like, oh, I want to be a task force leader and then a AFMO or just start spilling out all these things, all their great career goals within the forest service or contract company, whoever it is. Um, but then also come right back and say, yes, I, I, also want to be able to meditate every day. I also um, spend intentional time with my kids. I also spend intentional time in my hobbies and on exercise and all this kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that I find really enriching for people because now that I've been in it for a little while, I understand kind of the firefighter heart. I understand kind of the intentions that we have and, and the heart that we have for that. But I find more value in the people that kind of go against the grain a little bit like you and I that'll kind of develop themselves outside of fire as well. And it's really hard to think of yourself. I agree that like, if you have to get out of fire, if you decide not to take it forever, like what happens to you, what else is left in there? And the people that have worked on it and developed it will have a really smooth transition per se. It may not be perfect, but will have an easier time transitioning because they've already developed that life outside of fire. It'd be easy for them to go into that plan B or to go into that retirement, whatever it is, and still really enjoy themselves and have hobbies and whatever else really enriches their life. Yeah. Oh, it's so powerful. I, I love this conversation. And, and uh, I think they, like, like you're talking about kind of if we do leave fire or maybe it's just the end of the season, right? It's like that reintegration period of that. Uh, for me, I, I've always had that struggle with hypervigilance, you know, and it's something I, I'm still working on. Even, even after getting out of fire, it's like, you know, you're, you're so trained to like see or like plan on like, what's the worst thing could happen right now, right? Like we're so embedded with that idea. Like the hypervigilance is really real in the wildland fire community, which when you get laid off, you're back home. It's like, you're hypervigilant with your family about what, you know, what are you hypervigilant about? And it kind of, it spirals into that like relationship trauma, that relationship drama or whatever's going on at home or how we're actually integrating. And that's like, uh, to me, that seems like one of the hardest times of year is like getting laid off, getting reintegrated into the family unit and then uh, writing that out for the winter, you know, and, and it's, it's a huge, there's so much self-care that has to go into that transition to do it perfectly, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if there's a perfect way to do it, per se. You know, that's that's the huge challenge of this job is we do our job very well. We're very good at fire. We're very invested in developing ourselves there. But having that super enriching and super um, like in thrilling life, I don't want to say like after fire, but in between seasons and where you're really trying to work on yourself, the motivation is just isn't there anymore. It's not that same. We're butted up next to this active fire and we're going for it it's well my kids flushed something else down the toilet today what am i supposed to do with this information and it's just 
very difficult for people to find, I think, applicable resources in that integration because they're so used to their body being in this state of just stress hormones all the time. It's um, what I like to call like a maladaptive stress response because you're still adapted to it. You're still responding to all this kind of stress during the fire season in a really good way because you're still doing your job. You're still dealing with that crappy amount of sleep you get sleeping next to a generator and ICP um, and still getting up at five o'clock in the morning every day and still going really hard and still accomplishing all the tasks you have set out for the day and doing it safely and keeping track of your crew and learning something every day. Those are all super important, but your body is at like 150% at that point. And it just learns how to run that way for six or eight or sometimes even 10 months nowadays. Um, so then when you get off all of that, um, intensity and all of that input that you get from that outside environment has died down and you have to learn how to accept this lack of stuff that's always going on in your head and kind of redirect some of that energy but you also have to put yourself back into homeostasis your body wants to be happy and healthy and kind of in this nice set level but it doesn't have 150 percent cortisol anymore it wants to come back down and be happy so you have to figure out that balance between getting the daily input that you're getting in your home life and still keeping up your interaction with your like overactive brain that you have during fire. A lot of that is hobbies or finding interests that you find really good for you in the off season. For me, it's uh, woodworking and fishing and biking essentially. And it's different for every person. Some person might not want to be super active because they just want to rest during the off season. Go find something that you want to go want to do in the officer's season and learn about it. You know, we really encourage learning and development during the fire season. I think that should completely stay throughout the off season as well, because if you continue to develop yourself, you'll be better for the people next season. You'll be better for yourself. You'll be better for your crew. You'll be able to teach people stuff. You'll be able to learn things. So if you would go online and look up, say you wanted to get into painting, go look up a painting class on YouTube. There are tons of free painting stuff. You just dump $20, $25 into, you know, some paint, a brush and a canvas and start working with it and then see if you like it or not. It's, it comes back to that idea of you can try this one thing and if it doesn't work out, move on to something else. It's no big deal, but you have to keep yourself engaged and you have to keep yourself curious just as much as you do in fire season. I'd like to see people grab some intentions that are personal in nature and that are really self-developmental in the off season so that they come out, you know, if I have a crew member that leaves me in November and I see him again in May and they spent the entire off season developing themselves in some hobby or creativity or working with their family or something, you can tell how different they are when they come back. I would love to see everybody come back just a little bit better every single season and just snowball into this developmental effect where they become amazing firefighters for the end of a couple of years. Yeah, it's so true is using that time off to really excel personally and that personal development is so important to our leadership and our mindset and that really achieving that peak performance in that moment of, of fighting fire, right? And and something that's that's hitting me here is is really that peer support, right? Like that peer support is is critical in our you know, the season starts, we have that, uh, you know, norm or like storm kind of form norm situation in our teams and our crews and to really get there and to really be, you know, norming and being that normal, like rapport stage, it's, it's all about that peer support and really being able to reach out to each other and saying, you know what, 
I'm having a really hard day. I really don't want to chainsaw. Like I probably shouldn't cut today. Like, could you cut? Like all those little things are so important and to really even take that a step further. And, and when somebody is asking for help to actually help them, like listen to them, get them help or whatever they need. I mean, the peer support is the only way we're going to really be able to move forward. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because there's, there's not a lot of openness, um, for a lot of people that aren't firefighters, it's really hard to be open with somebody that doesn't understand where you're coming from. Like it's hard to do something that you don't know. Right. So if somebody doesn't understand the culture at all, like your family or, um, a friend or somebody else that you're just talking to and they have no idea where you're coming from, they're not going to understand your struggle. They're going to kind of think you're full of shit. And that's a big barrier for a lot of people is because they don't have good connections outside of fire that still understand what they're doing. Um, so peer support is a huge like identity issue as well. It's like, I'm not going to be super vulnerable with somebody with this thing that I treasure so very much. It's my identity. It's part of me. Right. So I'm not just going to go blab all of my vulnerability to somebody that's just going to be like, okay. And because they don't understand what you're talking about. I'd love to see some more programs get developed where that we have peer leaders that are um, helping, especially like rookies out, but just giving more resources for like, Hey, somebody's got a question about boots. I know there's a Facebook page that goes around where people post silly questions and it can get kind of mean in there as well. You know, you have people that genuinely want to help rookies or people get into new classes or whatever it is. Uh, but then you got people that'll trash them down too, because they have that ego. I personally think that there's something wrong with that person and they just need to work on that themselves. But I'm really hoping that kind of more of that peer support gets out into more disciplined and more developed groups where you can really help people through specific issues. Somebody that's kind of a subject matter expert in um, training, like physical training, you can get people like new people set up with programs in the off season or like just preseason getting into your hikes and stuff. Have somebody that knows how to make programs kind of be a peer supporter or a mentor or even, you know, pay somebody a little bit that knows what's going on on how to get their physical training in, in, you know, in line right before season shows up. But that can be true with all sorts of different disciplines. Like, hey, I want to develop a, a skill outside of fire, but I need it to relate in this kind of a way. Having a peer support saying, yes, that's a great idea, kind of help direct them that's what a lot of us are looking for. It's kind of that community that still sticks through the off season. You don't have to be with your fire buddies forever, but just kind of have that support or that encouragement just going through even your own personal goals. Just say, Hey, I wanted to talk to this guy about seeing this therapist and he understands all the fire stuff. He says he's vetted this guy and it's good to go. So just having that comfort of peer support will make a huge difference. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so true. And, and, uh, is there, is there anything else we haven't hit on that you would like to talk about or, or any questions I haven't asked you yet? Yeah, I mean, some of the real basic stuff I'd like to get out there, just um, getting people really into their bodies and really into kind of reaching their own personal goals on not necessarily a spiritual level, but just kind of like a, a selfish level, which, yes, it is good to be selfish because you can't make yourself better without being selfish. Um there's a lot of key items that can go into, you know, breathing, gratitude, um, mindfulness, all sorts of different benefits for yourself. I'd say one of them is deep breathing. If anybody has ever heard of the four, seven, eight breath, it's one of my favorite things to do 
all throughout the day. You know, unless I'm exercising, you can do it at any different time because it's easy to control your breath that way. And nobody has to know you're doing it because you're not like huffing and puffing through your mouth. But it's a very simple breathe in for four counts, hold it for seven counts, breathe out for eight counts. And you want it to be pretty slow. You don't want it to be um, like super tense up, like I said, when you're exercising. But just doing that a couple of times during the day will help regulate that nervous system and kind of keep yourself balanced and focused. It kind of realigns your um, conscious there to kind of not, not necessarily start over, but just kind of refocus on what you're doing and get a better eye on what your goals are for the day. Um, mindfulness is another thing. Um, mindfulness is a lot, people probably relate it directly to meditation, which is fine. Um, but just kind of being aware of who you are, where you're at right now and where you want to go. Um, it's a little bit of that elephant thing again, but just kind of really getting into the center of yourself just for a minute, you know, cause we are, creatures of habit. And a lot of the things we did or thought yesterday are the same things as the day before and the day before that and the day before that. So a lot of stuff is programmed into your body. And if you can just be present for a minute, you've kind of challenged your old thinking and you can either take that present moment and kind of envision the future. I don't ever say like pick out something specific that you want. Like I want this really cool car in the future. Like when you're doing mindfulness, don't be super specific like that, but how will you feel when you have that new car? Like, what is that feeling inside your body? What is that um, emotional and felt sense that you have with this experience that you want to be having in the future? If you can bring that experience back to the present and really try and tune into your body right there, say, if I want to get another dog, and this is the kind of feeling that I'm going to have with this new dog is going to be so much gratitude and happiness and warmth. And I can, for a second, really feel that in my heart and in my body. And I can almost like picture myself going on a walk and smelling all the aspen trees with this dog. Like I'm really starting to get into that experience and bringing that to the present right now. That mindfulness brings all these future goals and makes them more realistic because you're trying to experience the nice feelings and the gratitude you're going to get out of that present idea into the, or the future idea into the present so that you're going to be able to manifest it essentially, but you're going to get a lot more gratitude out of it that way too. It makes goals seem not as big, not as challenging. It makes them seem more doable because you can already see and feel what they've been. Um, and the last thing I'll bring up is just kind of being intentional with your life. I had somebody challenge one of my thoughts that said, how much of your day are you actually being intentional with? So it just made me think about like, how much is actually just habit? How many times did you drive home without noticing a single thing on your way home? How many times did you wake up, get out of bed, brush your teeth, drink the same cup of coffee out of the same cup, go to the same way to work? Like you're just, you're stuck in the, in this continual loop. If you would be intentional for, say, like five different things during your day. I was intentional when I made my cup of coffee on that first sip. I really smelt it or I really enjoyed kind of the taste of what it was. During the day, you know, when I kissed my wife, I actually appreciated, you know, her touch and her being there with me for a minute. Just these intentional moments don't have to be very long. They just have to be intentional. So just making the present moment that you're in so much more valuable. And I think that'll help you continue to bring goals towards you as well just focusing on where you're at and where you want to go do you have perfect health 
Could you improve your sleep, immune system, or energy levels? What about muscle recovery or detoxing from the fire season? I've been using the essential oils for a few months now, and I've been getting perfect sleep. My immune system is top-notch, and I feel amazing. Essential oils are plant allies that support our bodies in a million different ways. On Guard supports your immune system. Lemon helps you detox the heavy metals from the smoke. And the peppermint will release your head tension in seconds. Support your healing journey and go to mountainmindtricks.com essential-oils. Essential oils are hundreds of pounds of pure organic plant material pressed into a tiny amount of liquid, which means the essential oil is a powerful ally. So go to mountainmindtricks.com essential-oils. That's mountainmindtricks.com essential-oils. Oh, that's so amazing. That's, uh, it's so interesting you're talking about this because that's something that I do with people all the time is we, we get them really into that moment, like visualize it, feel it, really smell it, like really get in there. And then we actually put that memory, that, that feeling you have and actually put it out in the future, like literally in your timeline. So that elephant just walks straight to that goal. Like there's not even a question that elephant's going to get there and it's just a matter of time. Right. And it's like, it's so powerful when we do those mindfulness things because it really does uh at the deepest level it helps us like control the way we react to things which helps us control how we see our reality how we believe in our reality like what we actually think is possible because you know there's there's a lot more possibility than we give ourselves sometimes and and one of the things that I, that I love in in my life that I do so much in my self-care routine is journaling like I really there's something about writing something with a pen on paper that just makes it so real that um, journaling has personally changed my life. And I know it, it, a lot of people talk about that, but I'm curious if you've tried journaling. Oh, I absolutely have. And everybody will kind of drop off. You know, I am, I'm a consistent, inconsistent journaler. I'll do it for a little while and then skip a couple of weeks and then come back to it and be really into it. And it's just kind of the sections of life. But the thing I really love most about it is one that, permanency of taking this thought out of my brain because you'll forget it probably at some point in the years to come and putting it on a piece of paper and making it really come true in another medium is just making that goal or that idea just come to life but then I've also really enjoyed the fact especially going through a bunch of the therapies that I had gone through and making notes on those the thing somebody said to me once was take notes in the dark regardless of where you are maybe you're having a blast in the dark maybe it's a great thing and you're having so much fun you're playing laser tag whatever it is write that stuff down but write down when you're feeling bad and in the dark too those things number one will help you kind of release a little bit of that energy that we said was getting stuck so when you put it on paper just a little bit kind of gets out and that does help some but also it's a great reference tool, whether it be for you or somebody else. Even I've helped a lot of people with the notes that I have taken in the years past, even from my therapies, like, Hey, this was really useful for me. And here's why, or here's this other thing that was really not useful for me. And here's why, but just going back even to see, I've really enjoyed it a couple of times where I was two, three, four years ago. Like that's some of the journaling, like my mindset, you can tell in the pages where my mindset was and where my thoughts were and kind of my state and then where I am now, I just feel so much more accomplished because I've seen how far it took me to get here and how many steps that I've taken. Because you forget that. You kind of get focused right where you're at. Like I said, you get kind of that analytical brain gets problem solving and stuck kind of right where it's at. But if you get that chance to not delve into the past and, and focus too much on it, where it kind of 
meshes into your present too much, but learning from it and taking what you've done and taking the things that you've learned and progressing those into the future. That's been super useful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have this drawer of old journals that I have and, and once in a while I'll just go in there and just open a journal up to a page and read it. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, wow. I've come so far. Like my thinking, my feelings, like everything, or what's really interesting is sometimes I'll go back and see these notes of like, I'll write about what I want, like my dream or my goals. And it's like, you know, a couple of years later, you're looking back, it's like, I did that. Like that came true. Like I wrote about it and then it happened. And it's just journaling for me is just one of my favorites. It's so powerful. Uh, I always talk about it, but uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and is there anywhere, like if people want to get a hold of you or reach out to you, do you have any websites or links that you'd like to share? Um, I don't have a website up yet. I'm working on getting some creative stuff based, but um, you can always hit me up on Instagram at elitefire1507. Um, I've had that up for a little while. Um, I'm always open to DMs if anybody ever needs anything or recommendations. Um, my company also has a page, Elite Fire Support ID, at on Instagram, so you can catch me on either one of those. Oh, that's so awesome. And do you have any final thoughts, anything else you want to share with, with folks? Sure. Um, it's kind of a summary of a lot of what we've been talking about. I really appreciate all the firefighters out there and all the people that continue to do the hard work and stay up with the incredible seasons that we've had. But I also challenge everybody to really try and work on yourself so that you can be better for yourself and for others. Just make some goals and really try and be open to some new ways of getting there. I love it. Yeah. New ways of thinking is so powerful to change your life and, and uh, for everybody listening, thank you so much. I hope you found some of this valuable. I really hope that you're going to try something new, maybe think in a different way, maybe try one of the techniques that Anne has recommended here, um, maybe try some therapy or whatever it is. And uh, just thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I just encourage you to go out there and find your sacred ancestor because whatever you think you are, you are so much more than that. <laughs>